0: David Well uh, good evening you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The program is called Gray Matters, and my name is Dick Whaley. Jim Dwyer, I don't think we'll be here tonight. He's a little under the weather, and of course we're getting serious weather again east of uh, <laughs> the Great Lakes states. I guess uh, more snow is on the way to Boston. Wow. They've already got three feet, so... uh We won't have any discussions about global warming tonight, (laughs) but we are going to remind you that you are listening to the fundraiser edition of Gray Matters here with Dick Whaley and Jim Dwyer, who will be joining us next week. In a kind of a perverse sort of way, I wanted to dedicate tonight's show to the fact that Joe McCarthy's Wheeling, West Virginia speech is 65 years old today. It's now eligible for Social Security. Joe McCarthy, what a despicable character in American history. And, of course, here on Gray Matters, we're kind of different from the rest of the shows down here at the fine corner of Thompson and Jefferson. I almost wish we'd rename Thompson Tom so that we'd just call it Tom Jefferson. <laughs> but in any event, uh, Joe McCarthy gave a speech, a famous speech, to launch what's known as McCarthyism 50 years ago tonight in Wheeling, West Virginia to the Ohio County Republican Women's Club, a very interesting, Wheeling of course is an industrial city sort of nestled between, it's that little pointy part of West Virginia between Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania, so I think that when it's it's called Ohio Women's Republican Club, it refers to the Ohio county that's that's uh, that part of West Virginia, and of course uh, McCarthy had aped and basically plagiarized a speech uh, that Nixon had given a couple of weeks earlier, uh, denouncing Alger Hiss in. Uh, on the congressional floor who was uh, convicted of perjury a couple of weeks earlier Joe McCarthy uh, didn't know much about communism he was once asked uh, when did you discover the issue of communism Joe? and he said oh a couple weeks ago in fact he didn't read much of anything he was a brawler, a gambler a heavy womanizer a heavy uh, possibly a homosexual we don't know uh, but there are some rumors to that effect. A rabid gambler who was frequently in debt. And he was uh, associated with what, what is known as McCarthyism. He went on a kind of a speaking tour for the uh, uh, Republican Party that year in 1950. They were planning on exploiting this issue for political purposes as it was a midterm election. And McCarthyism, as I'm going to quote from an article by David Oshinsky, is defined as the practice of publicizing accusations with insufficient regard to evidence and the use of unfair investigative methods to suppress opposition. This, of course, was how Joe McCarthy operated. Uh, initially, he, uh, he didn't really become a, a true force until he became a chairman But he frequently headed up what are known as subcommittees that were poorly attended. And Joe McCarthy uh, just had a remarkable reign of almost terror for about four or five years. Uh, He really got going in the late 40s, uh, starting out with uh, bizarrely defending Nazi soldiers— Part of the Panzer SS division that had shot American POWs connected with the Battle of the Bulge. Joe McCarthy, of course, was connected to all sorts of Nazi sympathizers, as history has now revealed. Uh, he was heavily in debt, um, mainly because of his gambling problem. And as a result, he uh, functioned almost as a, uh, a kind of a cudgel. Uh, regarding the Communist conspiracy. This, of course, was the famous night where he identified 205 members of the Communist Party that he alleged were still in the State Department. Of course, the number came pretty much out of thin air. Um, And then, of course, he later amended that to 57. Uh, Joe McCarthy never caught any communists. He did burn a lot of books in Europe courtesy of Roy Cohn and his other assistant named uh, David Schein. They went on a witch hunt for books in Europe at the American Library System that uh, basically functioned as an adjunct to the uh, uh, U.S. AID agency, which was part of the ongoing propaganda between the United States and the Soviet Union as part of the Cold War. I bring up this Cold War sort of in connection to this debate we saw last week about aid to Ukraine. Uh, I think this is a terrible idea. This has been brought up by the Brookings Institute, some of the think the centrist think tank. It's often called liberal. Uh, it has liberals working there, but it is more centrist than people realize. And I think that the idea that the United States would actively get involved in uh, the Ukrainian civil war is total foolishness. So we'll give out a brain damage award to that ghastly prospect. Just to remind you, we are fundraising. The number down here is 763-3500. Area code 734-763-3500. Do pledge your uh, uh, support for WCBN in general. uh, It's always, uh, we don't... uh, suspend our programming down here. We try and uh, make it special. So actually, sometimes when you tune into fundraiser shows here on the station, you'll even hear better music than normal. And we, of course, don't do music down here. We do kind of a little bit of a combination of history, politics, economics, some cultural criticism, and of course, always uh, miscellaneous, strange people, Uh, that exist in human civilization that always need to be called out for odd behavior. Uh, So we uh, pick up uh, little weird items from how strange a world we live in here in the 21st century. Uh, An absolutely uh, bizarre week with uh, ISIS imploding... Uh, politically and from a public relations standpoint. I'm not too sure how burning somebody alive in a tiger cage is going to help recruiting, but apparently there are either some witches out there or psychopaths that might be interested in joining the ISIS movement. So we'll give them a brain damage award. Uh, Yes, yet another vote in Congress to repeal Obamacare. That will be vetoed. So uh, don't worry about it. Uh, A massive hacker penetration of the Anthem insurance system, the second largest insurance system in America, I would think that Congress would be working on this urgent problem. Eighty million people's identities apparently have been hacked, stolen, including social security numbers, but Anthem assures us that your medical information has remained safe. (laughs) Okay? Well, what about the rest of it? Uh, you know, the over-reliance on technology continues to baffle me uh, because we don't create laws to protect uh, privacy and, and quote-unquote, security. We're too interested in selling merchandise online to people who previously, I guess, used to get in their SUVs and drive to the store. Um an interesting article in today's New York Times about weak security systems in cars. This is absolutely bizarre uh, because I'm not too sure what actually happened in the New York train auto collision that occurred. Remember, this is not a train accident. This was an automobile that, for reasons that remain unclear and are under investigation, ended up on the railroad tracks and uh, killed the driver it doesn't sound to me like suicide, but it does sound possibly like distracted driving or perhaps even penetration of her car system. Today's business section of the New York Times has this amazing article. Serious gaps in security and customer privacy Privacy affect nearly every vehicle that uses wireless technology, according to a report, to be released on Monday by a senator's office. This is being uh, released, by the way, by Senator Edward Markey, uh, a Democrat of uh, Massachusetts whose main career has been in the House of Representatives. In fact, he's one of the great public officials of our generation. Um, he took over John Kerry's Senate seat when he became the Secretary of State. And Edward Markey has always worked on behalf of consumers the public interest, he denounced this harebrained idea that Barack Obama proposed a week ago about oil drilling off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean, which I think is crazy. But it is bizarre that, that wireless technology can affect your, your car. You can be driving down the road now and be hacked for personal information. It can interfere with the functioning of your car. Um, This is uh, quite alarming and needs to be much more thoroughly investigated in terms of what this is all about. But the opening paragraph by Aaron Kessler alone strikes me as um, alarming, serious, an issue that Congress and the president should be working on, not worrying about net neutrality so much, though that might be an important issue as well. Serious gaps in security and customer privacy affect nearly every vehicle that uses wireless technology, according to a report set to be released today by Senator Edward Markey's office. The report concludes that security measures to prevent hackers from gaining control of a vehicle's electronics are, quote, inconsistent and haphazard. And that the majority of automakers do not have systems that can detect breaches or quickly respond to them. Wow. That's the kind of information you get down here on Gray Matters. On a weekly basis, we try and project a public interest, not a corporate interest. We're interested in clean water, clean air clean politics and denouncing Joe McCarthy for his uh, horrid career. Um, Brian Williams is in the news all week. <laughs> well, he's decided to take a a leave of absence, quote-unquote. I don't know if he's going to survive this uh, debacle. Uh, this strikes me as sort of resume Padding, sort of storytelling, whatever you want to call it. Brian Williams always struck me as somewhat uncomfortable uh, sitting in the anchor chair anyway. And I never actually saw an entire broadcast by Brian Williams. I've only seen clips. But he always struck me as a kind of a guy who was kind of sitting on a whoopee cushion or something. You know, there was something about his projection on television that he always looked a little uncomfortable and while I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of having this guy crucified, I think that some of the analogies that have been used in the newspaper in the in the media about this scandal are strange. Uh, this is in no way comparable to Walter Cronkite visiting Vietnam. <laughs> Walter Cronkite, of course, famously visited Vietnam in uh, 1968. Um, shortly after the Tet Offensive, which occurred in uh, January of 68. And he went there, I think, my recollection is for about two weeks. It might have only been one week. But he basically came back to the United States and defended uh, uh, a, a position and announced to the public, and he, of course, was a voice of authority, a voice of credibility. He didn't denounced the war, but he did say that the war was unwinnable and that, at best, America was looking at a stalemate. Lyndon Johnson famously said, once I've lost Cronkite, I've lost America. Well, Brian Williams, (laughs) I don't think, has that kind of credibility. But it's interesting, and I didn't bring this obituary in, but I noticed that a producer at CBS News passed away this weekend who worked on the famous Watergate sum up that Walter Cronkite reported before the 1972 elections that saw Richard Nixon reelected? Cronkite, of course, was part of the legendary CBS News uh, bureau system, the Edward R. Murrow uh, boys, as they're called, William Paley and all that. But this producer, whose name escapes me now, and I did save the obituary, so I'll bring it in at some point. A very interesting historical uh, discussion about um, the fact that uh, Walter Cronkite, on, um, I believe it was October 31st of 1972, devoted 14 minutes of the 22-minute news time allotted to news back then to sum up what they knew about Watergate at that point for the public. Of course, the public uh, wasn't too concerned about Watergate in 1972. Richard Nixon was. John Dean was. But uh, Richard Nixon's demise was uh, in the offing as the events of 1973 Unfolded after he was inaugurated. I, of course, have been uh, interested in uh, many aspects of Richard Nixon because of the propinquity between Richard Nixon and Joe McCarthy. They both operated in a roughshod um, manner. Joe McCarthy was crude and brutal, Nixon, much more skillful and uh, cagey. And uh, a new book about Watergate called Chasing Shadows, The Nixon Tapes, The Chanel Affair, and the Origins of Watergate is a fascinating new uh, addition to the literature on the Watergate scandal, written by Ken Hughes and published by the University of Virginia. This book was just uh, released quite recently and is uh, very interesting because the author, Ken Hughes, works at the Uh, Miller Presidential Recording Center at the University of Virginia, where they have Nixon tapes and Johnson tapes in particular, the public had to assume control of Nixon's Watergate tapes and uh, presidential records because uh, he was no longer trusted (laughs) to retain custody of such uh, um, evidence. And it's a fascinating addition to the... Watergate theories, I'm not sure I subscribed to the whole thing, but it uh, articulates an interesting factor that one of uh, the reasons that Watergate happened was Nixon was obsessed with uh, what Lyndon Johnson might have might have, might have in his possession in 1968 uh, regarding the so-called bombing halt that Anna Chenault, who was a, the wife of one of the parts of the China lobby, Uh, that was part of Joe McCarthy's agenda, um, was working as a uh, sort of a off-the-scene, off-the-books emissary for the Nixon campaign that Henry Kissinger, who at the time was working for Lyndon Johnson, uh, contributed to feeding intelligence to Nixon because he uh, rightly assumed that Nixon would win the war. This, of course, became part of the who-let-lost-China debate that Joe McCarthy uh, participated in so uh, recklessly as uh, the senator from Wisconsin. This, of course, became a slogan of the China lobby that Anna Chenault was part of and propelled McCarthy, and I'm going to quote here from an article by David Oshinsky uh, from the New York Times dated the 27th of January 2008, David Oshinsky has written one of the great books about Joe McCarthy called A Conspiracy. Let's see, A Conspiracy So Immense, The World of Joe McCarthy. And of course, this is a phrase that Joe McCarthy used at one point uh, regarding the loss of China. McCarthy, and I'm going to quote here, blamed the fall on China on a conspiracy so immense as to dwarf any previous such venture in the history of man. Of course, this was all historical nonsense. Uh, The United States uh, backed Chiang Kai-shek quite uh, consistently and thoroughly throughout World War II uh, during the occupation of China by the Japanese imperialist uh, military. Japan, of course, invaded Manchuria in 1931, and the communists, of course, went into retreat. Chiang Kai-shek was fighting the communists during World War II in China more rigorously than he was fighting the Japanese. And, of course, many of the State Department officials that were on the ground and knew something about communism uh, realized that um, Chiang Kai-shek was uh, a disaster, that he was corrupt, that most of the uh, foreign and military aid that went to Chiang Kai-shek during World War II, I think it's estimated to be somewhere between 10 and, uh, uh, 7 and $10 billion, was actually pilfered by his uh, apparatchiks, his various warlord generals, and that the reason China was lost was because of Chiang Kai-shek. It had nothing to do with the American State Department, so uh, when Joe McCarthy uh, eventually accused George C. Marshall, distinguished secretary of state and uh, chief of staff during World War II, and certainly one of the great military people in American history, of being a communist dupe, uh, we knew that Joe, uh, Joe McCarthy was uh, barking up the wrong tree. He, of course, uh, advised Dean Acheson to seek asylum in the Soviet Union and called him a diplomat in the striped pants. And there were aspects about Dean Acheson that were uh, possibly obnoxious and a little bit arrogant and elitist and all of that. But Dean Acheson was not part of a communist conspiracy so immense. He was a pretty rigorous anti-communist who of course was secretary of state during the Korean uh, war. And, uh, these ideas that America lost, uh, China is uh, ridiculous we never owned China to lose <laughs> many other imperialist powers were there way before us uh, the United States did have an imperialist presence in China and it also had a missionary presence in China uh, its commercial uh, presence in China dwarfed that of uh, Britain uh, Portugal um, who else uh, Germany even <laughs> Remarkable story about the uh, how China was uh, obliterated by European imperialism in the nineteenth century, and why Mao Zedong rose to power with the with the so called uh, Long March and his ability to convey to the peasant the peasant revolution, which he created out of a kind of an ideological theory, ended up working. But one thing that's fascinating about the uh, Ken Hughes book that I wanted to return to briefly um, is uh, the, um, the, the the book entitled "Chasing Shadows." Uh, is the is this sort of interesting fact? He points out that in all of the two thousand. 658 hours of secretly recorded Nixon White House tapes that the government has declassified to date, you can hear the president order precisely one break-in. It wasn't Watergate, but it does expose the roots of the cover-up that ultimately brought down Richard Milhouse Nixon. Investigation of its origin reveals almost as much as the president's rise as his fall. Let's remember, of course, that it's interesting that Nixon began uh, the taping system uh, basically in February of 1971. He wanted to document his presidency. He ended it uh, several months after uh, Haldeman and Ehrlichman resigned. So we don't have Nixon's last year in office on tape. But there remain several thousand hours of uh, tapes that have not been Fully declassified. Many of them have poor sound recording and whatnot. But the break-in that um, Nixon did order occurred on the 17th of June uh, 1971. The irony, of course, being exactly one year later, the Watergate burglars were caught uh, in the Watergate uh, breaking into the Democratic National Headquarters at the Watergate. Hotel facility, uh, condominium facility, whatever you want to call it. But in the tapes that we do know, uh, Haldeman tells uh, Nixon about the bombing halt file. He says Houston, which refers to the Houston plan, swears to God there's a file on it in the Brookings Institute. Haldeman was working with bad information. Tom Charles Houston, author of The Secret Houston Plan, to expand government break-ins, wiretaps, and mail opening in the name of fighting domestic terror, claimed Brookings had a top-secret report on the bombing halt written under the direction of some of the people who oversaw the Pentagon Papers project. Nixon, Bob, you remember the Houston plan? Implement it, the president said. An aide began to object. Nixon said, I mean, I want it implemented on a thievery basis. God damn it. Get in there and get those files. Blow the safe and get it. That was the break-in that Richard Nixon did order that's on the tapes. Of course, there were several tape erasures. Nixon has always claimed a sort of... uh, Paul oh, Shucks, I didn't know what was going on, kind of uh, excuse about the broad aspects of known as Watergate. I was quoting there from Ken Hughes' new book, Chasing Shadows, The Nixon Tapes, The Cheneau Affair, and the Origins of Watergate. Here on Gray Matters, 763 3500. Do call and pledge your support. I don't know where you can get imitations of Richard Nixon. But uh, he still is a fascinating historical figure. One political scientist noted that he uh, affected seven presidential elections in the second half of the 20th century, post-war, including 1948, the five times that he was on the ticket, and the fact that Gerald R. Ford had pardoned Nixon and that this damaged him in the 1976 um, re-election campaign of Gerald R. Ford. Incidentally, by the way, the film version of All all the President's Men was released in 1976, and Ronald Reagan, of all people, claimed that the film contributed to the defeat of Gerald Ford. I think that there were some other problems there, some other factors, but uh, a fascinating theory nonetheless. Um, well, we always like... Uh, incompetent criminals here in America. (laughs) By the way, uh, just an item factually confirming all of this identity theft. Uh, Last year, there were uh, 1,492 IRS investigations into identity theft, a 66% increase from the year before. Uh, This uh, hacker breach at the Anthem Insurance uh, portfolio of insurance companies is uh, very, very troubling. Uh, I'd just like to remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up short. shortly. I always love these crazy items from uh, the funny news in the uh, w- news of the weird. It says Joshua Government 29 was arrested in Glendale, Arizona. That's where we just had the Super Bowl for allegedly stealing copper wiring from the back of an air conditioning truck in a driveway. The thief apparently had trouble pulling on the wires. The police found a human finger at the scene. Despite government's excuse that he had cut his finger during a car repair, the crime scene fingerprints matched the government's other fingerprints. So he left more than a fingerprint. He left his whole finger. He gets a brain damage award. So we'll uh, thank Andrew for engineering once again here on Gray Matters and urge you to stay tuned uh, here for Yazoo City Calling because we are uh, pretty much out of time. And we will be back next week. Just one other interesting note about Nixon as we go off the air. Many of the film noirs that are playing at the Michigan Theater this uh, season, this winter session of the uh, Uh, film festival at the Michigan Theater, the film noirs. Nixon saw almost all of them, including tonight's uh, The Postman Always Rings Twice. We'll talk about more about Nixon and films maybe in an upcoming show, because that's another subject we cover here on Gray Matters that you've been listening to. We are out of time. 734-763-3500. Radio is king of the media. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN and. Radio brings you... broadcast uh, uh, media can do give them a sense of flavor it's all vegetable it's digestible it's delicious and nutritious life right sized and ready to eat it's made with real egg formula and here's a nice looking record packaging from new york